All right, here we go. Siwana Inquirer podcast, episode four, and it's just Piper and I today. And I just decided to do uh, with Piper because it's all hoops. Like I, you tweeted out yesterday, Piper, that there's so much going on in uh, Illinois basketball. They got a five star coming on. Underwood talked with us media who are ravenous for some kind of content. Narkuma, uh, <laughs> Benjamin Bossman's Redonk, not on campus yet. You got a transfer visiting. Uh, there's just so much going on, man, that I figured we'd just do a hoops podcast here. Yeah, hoops is happening. I know football's kind of st- stolen the show the last couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, finally we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, so we sound a little bit different probably today because we're doing this uh, just remotely on our laptops. So we're in different uh, counties here. So uh, <laughs> we're doing this a little bit differently uh, today, but it's actually working out pretty well. So let's get into it, Derek. And I want to start. We're going to get into the class of 2019. We're going to get into the class of 2020 with a huge visitor who kind of been playing hard to get. Uh, he's finally on campus, and we're recording this on Wednesday, and he's here today. So we'll chat about that. We'll talk about the real live five star. Yes, a real live five star is going to be on campus this week, uh, and then some new offers in the class of 2021 that I find interesting. And I think it's very telling uh, that these offers are out pretty early for this staff. So we'll get into all of that. But uh, the team is on campus again, uh, mostly everybody except for the two freshmen. And uh, I guess we could start there, Derek, that uh, Bernard Kuma uh, is not on campus yet, though he's on an official visit, but he's not enrolled yet in school. And then Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk, the big boss man, uh, is not on campus yet. He just graduated from high school. Any worries there for Illini fans that they're not on campus yet? I don't think there's too big of a worry. I know ideally you would like to get them with Adam Fletcher as soon as possible with, you know, working with the team and the system, skill workouts and everything. Because I think when you look down the road and, you know, clearly Kipper Nichols, if he shows up this year and and really steps up into a, you know, a backup four role can kind of alleviate some of those concerns and Samba Kane clearly, also, it, you know, makes the, the jump from year one to year two, gets stronger. Uh, we saw last year with Samba, if you're not here on campus over the summer, you're kind of at a disadvantage. So I think that's where the concern would be. I don't think that people had super high expectations for Bernard Kuma, maybe a redshirt candidate. Uh, with the boss man, we'll, we'll have to see because you watch the film and he's a good player. I, I could see how he could be utilized and, and be versatile in this system. So uh, I think – Really, you want to be able to get them on the Italy trip. Can that happen? Uh, you know, Brad told us yesterday that the expectation is that they go. They're not sure if they'll be able to compete. That all matters about clearing house and getting them enrolled and everything. So, uh, you know, not not a huge deal, but but yeah, it, it's not necessarily a deal. But uh, worse things have happened to this program in recent years. Yeah, I think this is probably the example of what the. Uh, downside of getting guys late is right like some of these guys graduate a little bit later or the they're not uh, fully you know vetted or whatever it is with the academics or but I think I think this probably sets the expectation of I think everyone knew Kuma is kind of developmental and ideally a red shirt here Derek but maybe as great as that video that highlight video of uh, boss man looks that hey maybe, maybe we shouldn't count on him being like the sixth or seventh man on this team that maybe he's going to need some time to adjust to, to beat out Kipper Nichols for that spot. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe does a good job of tempering those expectations a little bit. Now the highlight tape does look better than what, whatever we saw from Matisse Basile, uh, and maybe a little bit more organized than the Georgie dribbling in some like YMCA back gym, although he turned out pretty good, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that 
you do hope that that a guy like Kipper is your really your answer as a backup for really Tevian Jones as well. You have options there, so not putting too much pressure on on the boss man. Even you know as boss as his nickname's going to be, uh, I think that that's you know was really the reality of the situation anyway. But uh, either way, I, I think it would be nice if you can get those guys in, on campus as soon as possible, just to see what you have there and uh, to get them acclimated and, and hopefully they can provide something. Quickly, what was your favorite part of the Matisse Vasile era? <laughs> it went by so fast. Know. Uh, you know, the Orange Crush loved him. That was pretty cool. Um, I think for me, Derek, it might have been learning his name was actually Matisse. That's true. That was <laughs> one of the highlights. And then I think the shock of when he went in was it the first game or I think it was yeah, the first. Was. That was one of the biggest topics on the radio show the next day. It's like, what the heck was that? Because we didn't expect him to play. But yeah, I think the uh, the wordplay on Twitter, now that you kind of sparked that with the Matites, uh, <laughs> really opened up some good puns that, uh, that I'll miss every single day. Yeah. All right. Uh, there is one freshman on campus, Derek. And uh, I know we were like, as we're leaving the Underwood thing, like you're not supposed to watch practice and all that, and they don't want media there. We're all just kind of lingering, just like <laughs> just gazing at this this new player that they have because he's such a large man. He he made Samba. He makes Samba look small, even height wise. Like it's not just because he's 300 pounds or whatever it is. And and Brad Underwood said 14% body fat, which is really good for uh, a guy that's 300 pounds. Um, he's a large man, Derek. He really <laughs> is. And yeah, he, he made it dangerous for us walking on the balcony. We're not looking where we're going. And, and we're kind of just gazing at the court to see any kind of glimpse uh, of Kofi. You know, he, he changes the dynamic of the team for sure. Uh, I think that, well, you know, Brad said that he's looked really good so far. He didn't want to put too high expectations on him this early, but all the the feedback I've heard so far is that they're just really, really encouraged about what he can bring. And clearly the conditioning part is something that needs to be addressed throughout the summer. They would need to get him stronger, lateral quickness. I, I think one thing you like, though, from what Brad said is they're already looking into and adjusting, you know, how they cover cover ball screens and whatnot. And that needs to happen with Kofi. But Provides a, a big time strength presence in the post that you just haven't had. He can finish around the rim. He can run the floor, you know, north and south pretty well. Uh, laterally is the question mark, but also uh, this is a team that did not rebound the ball very well last year, and that's one of Kofi's biggest strengths. And it's just going to be really, really exciting to see what him and Georgie can be as a tandem. Yeah, uh, no Jason Kidd comparisons or anything like that. <laughs> he didn't Shaq out there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. I, but uh, I think he might have learned from that Mark Smith thing. But yeah, I mean, I just, Derek, I haven't seen a guy like that because Myers was uh, such an impressive physical specimen. But, you know, just big guy like Brian Carwell maybe was one of them or Sean Pruitt. Sean like, Pruitt, yeah. And I know Sean Pruitt maybe didn't, you know, wasn't a good locker room guy, but he, I mean, he was just a big 10 big man. I mean, he was on the cover of SI with DJ white. Uh, people remember that, but it's been that long. I think since Illinois had a physical presence quite like that, Myers obviously turned into it for a year, but that that's what big 10 big men look like. Yeah, absolutely. And how many times have you walked into, you know, a game Illinois against another big 10 or high major opponent and you saw Bruno Fernando or you know, go on down the list of, of all the big guys that Illinois had to face. Nick Ward, uh, they just Caleb Wesson. These are all matchups, you know, Wesson against Kofi this upcoming year is going to be really fun to see. But 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, one story that I've heard is Orlando's man in the pads, and Orlando's a big dude. I mean, Orlando played at Pitt, and and he's still uh, still a big man, but uh, he didn't. He was no match for throwing around the pad against Kofi, and also uh, I've heard they've also had to tell Kofi, you know, uh, you don't have to kill those guards uh, on those screens. You know, we want you to do that in the Big Ten, but. Uh, you know, let's not let's not bang up Andres Felice too much, uh, you know, setting those high ball screens. So all good, all good things to adjust with with Kofi. But, yeah, he's a different kind of presence that they've had over there at Oven. Well, and, and all the things like I guess we concern ourselves with, like defense, like, how, you know, he's not a strong defender on the ball screen when Georgie really is. Like, how, how do them how do those two mix offensively, Derek? I think those are all great problems to have. It really is. I think that Kofi will show you that. You know, he's able to step out to the free throw line and knock down a jumper, but uh, it's also just going to open things up for Georgia. And I think that, yeah, it's a good problem to have. And it's also something that you're going to be intrigued by every single day as a coaching staff to go in and see how can we utilize these guys? How can we get Georgie isolated in spots that really work for him? And, and obviously we haven't even seen, you know, Georgie's improvement from the three-point line, which clearly that's something that he'll have to sustain throughout the summer. But it's something that a lot of people, uh, myself included, are expecting him to be able to do. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just all the lineup combinations and what you can do with those two. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and I think potentially it could be really scary for the rest of the league. It's the first offseason for a lot of these guys, like where they're coming back. And, you know, even like Andres Felice, like he's coming back into this. But Brad Underwood said Io has attacked the offseason with a vengeance. He, he didn't even go home for uh, the spring or summer break when he could have. Uh, Georgie is healthy. He talked a lot about that thumb, really bothered him last year, both as a ball handler and as a shooter. And he expects him to take a step forward, which is just scary. And given how good his freshman year was, he looks stronger, which he gets. Gained a lot of strength last year, even during the season. Um, but those two, the thing that stuck out most to me, Derek, is um, Brad talked a lot about the leadership f- from those two and, and holding teammates accountable and that they don't have to lead that as much. And I, I can tell you, that seems like it's been an issue for, for Illinois for a long time. You know, guys like Malcolm Hill are great players, but I don't know if they he was the kind of pull a guy, lead the team, um, and say, hey, this is what we're doing. feels like they got two guys right now that are doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's natural for them at this point. It was something that they were taking over at the end of last season, but uh, I don't think you've had to have any conversations when, when they arrive back on campus, you know, whether it's with the coaching staff or within the team of you know, who we're looking up to, who we're, you know, answering to as far as accountability and whose lead we're following. And really that's Number one, you, you want guys that are, you know, big time performers. I think both of those guys showed that last year, but also uh, two guys that work as hard as anybody. And that really sets the tone as far as what's expected. I love love the line that Coach Underwood said yesterday about Io saying, you know, good players work out. You know, you got to work out once a day. Good players work out twice a day. Great players work out more than that. And I think both of those uh, have exemplified that ever since they've been on campus. And now that kind of sets the standard of what's expected around the program. So uh, that's a really good thing, not only just not having to teach as much of the system here early on in the summer, but also not having to worry about who's going to be my leader in that locker room, who's going to get guys to put in extra time. Uh, that's all sorted out right now. And they can kind of just go off of what was set, uh, you know, t- down the stretch of last year and really throughout the course of last season. 
Yeah, we get, we got a couple comments from yesterday. He said Demonte Williams looked great, which he did last year too. Um, Sam McCain, he mentioned, is, is taking a great step forward. He's kind of tied himself uh, to Georgie's hip, which is obviously a good thing. Uh, is there a guy you don't you think we're not talking enough about, Derek? You could go a couple of routes here. I think Samba is one, and I, you know you're going to have to see it first. You're going to have to see the improvement that he's made. It's encouraging to hear that you know he kind of had a mental refresh, being able to go back home, uh, and now just to be able to to work with Fletch and know the system because it was overwhelming for him. And we see athletically, he's a good athlete. You know, he he runs as a seven footer in a way that a lot of a lot of big men can't and move around and do all that. And also, you know, can hit a turnaround jumper and there, there's upside there. Uh, but one I'm going to say, and I think it's kind of by design and I don't blame people for not talking about him is Kipper Nichols. And I mm-hmm. think that it's because you're afraid to put too much expectations on him. And I think for the coaching staff, I think, you know, he didn't even get his name mentioned. I don't, I don't believe yesterday in the 32 minutes that we talked to coach Underwood, and as I said, I think it's kind of by design, by not putting too much pressure on him. You just saw the toll that last season took on him mentally and his confidence and everything. But Kipper's put in a lot of work. I know that from being over an oven in my time there. And uh, we'll see. He's going to have to improve or get back to where he was uh, shooting the three. But in your final year, you're just hoping that it's he playing free and easy and just enjoying himself. I know he always does that off the court with the team. And uh, he's pretty valuable piece to them in the locker room. But uh, you know, Kipper has, we've seen it. We've seen what he can be uh, in this league, uh, you know, on one night, you got to be night to night and consistent. But uh, I think the fact that this team doesn't have to lean so hard on him and, and so far in the summer, not to put too high expectations on him. Uh, Brad doesn't have to push him too hard because, you know, you're focused on a lot of other guys. So that that's one guy that maybe by design isn't talked about as much right now, but still someone that, yeah, I mean, if he's playing a role as a backup four and, and doing some things, then that's what helps team, you know, win and get to the NCAA tournament. You know, another guy that wasn't mentioned yesterday, and maybe it's a good thing because we know what to expect out of him after the last two years is Trent Frazier, right? That's like, true. He's, he's such a good player and, and, and good scorer. And last year was kind of figuring out his role. And I, I don't think he's the leader of this team. And, you know, he's kind of a guy that uh, dominates the ball at times. And he had to learn how to do that with Io. And I don't, I'm don't i not trying to go negative here, but it's almost like, hey, uh, Trent Frazier is really good too. But I don't I don't know if he's the leader. It's, it's just interesting how he fits into this team. And hopefully he figured that out last year. And hopefully – you know, those guys all figured out their roles, where to push, when not to. And it'd it just be interesting for me as a junior. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be one of the all-time leading scorers at Illinois and, you know, one of the faces of the franchise, right, when Underwood first took over. And, and now Iowa and Georgie have kind of taken over as fan favorites and leaders. But Trent's still a really great player, and, and they need him uh, to, to be a great player. So just a, a guy that feels like other guys are getting more buzz now, but still a huge part of this team. Yeah, I think he was another one that we didn't talk much about yesterday. And uh, it's kind of crazy to think that he's an upperclassman already. At the same time, he has had a number of games where you're just like, man, he can, he can really take over a game with his shot-making ability. And, yeah, I think that as far as learning how to be a true point guard and make other players better, I think that's something that uh, you're looking for him this upcoming year. And I think you're encouraged by the fact that, him, Io, and Andres all have a year under their belt together and, and kind of play off each other off each other and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, any night Trent can get hot from three and really change the course of the game. I also think, you know, uh, you know, getting better guarding the ball as far as staying in front. And, and now I think 
you know, how much his ankle hampered him late in the season now, I don't think that should be a concern. And uh, also getting stronger in the weight room with Fletch. You know, Trent's a really, really valuable piece. And uh, when he's on, he's he's one of the better guards in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, he can absolutely carry. If Iowa doesn't have a good game, you get another guy. You know, Andres Felice can, can have a good game too. It's it's an interesting time where they actually have all those weapons. All right, uh, one more thing before we get into a lot of the recruiting stuff, Derek, is uh, Underwood was asked a lot about the three-point rule change. And I'm wondering your opinion after hearing him, and I love hearing Brad Underwood nerd out about basketball and <laughs> spacing right. and all that. Um, offensively, what do you think of the impact in his offense – how big of an impact, what kind of impact, and, and what about defensively? Because I think that would be the bigger concern is you spread this defense out even more, uh, even though they spread themselves out a lot, uh, does it make them even more vulnerable to the to the dribble drive? So just what are your thoughts about how this rule change could impact Illinois specifically? Yeah, I think when you're playing a space and pace type of system and you have the guards who are talented at taking to the hole, whether it's Trent or Io or Andres, and uh, the transition game uh, of really spacing that thing out, clearly you got to have shot makers step up and emerge. And that's, you know, Tevian Jones and Alan Griffin. And, uh, you know, George's got to be able to shoot the three better. DeMonte, when he has those opportunities, has to be able to knock it down. Uh, I'll continue to go back to the fact that you only have two two guys coming back that shot higher than 35% from last year's three-point line. So that's something that has to drastically improve now. Uh, you know, Brad said that usually they, they've said it's about two percentage points difference and what you'd expect, you know, moving the line back a little bit more. So uh, I think the spacing is a good thing. And also now that you have Kofi and maybe you're looking at some more high-low match, high-low high looks uh, and, and matching up against teams like that and, and really drawing attention inside and, and kicking it back out. So, I think offensively, and this team's going to be able to score, you know, no matter where the three-point line is going to be. Uh, defensively, can you defend no matter where the three-point line is going to be? I think that they've shown that they've been willing or, you know, unfortunately defending 30, 35 feet away from the hoop and fouling out there and getting beat on back cuts out there. Uh, it comes down to you got to stop the ball. you got to be able to stop the ball. you got to be able to rotate. And those are all things that, toward you know, through the bulk of the season and especially late in the season, what was disappointing uh, were big time, you know, things that were exploited by other teams. So uh, I think that as a unit, you know, and Brad said it, they're, they're mixing in z different zone looks and doing different things. And I'm really, really intrigued to, to see how that all looks, but uh, I, I think it will make you reevaluate some things as far as how far out you challenge passes in the passing lane. Cause you want to balance getting turnovers, getting in transition, but also not giving up easy baskets. All right, let's uh, focus to recruiting a little bit. Um, a big topic today, Derek, and we're getting recruiting this on Wednesday, they're using an official on Bernard Kuma. <laughs> uh, right. How many people are upset about this? But the calendar kind of sets it up to where, you know, the official visits reset on, on August 1st, and the staff will be on the road for the recruiting periods, the evaluation periods, uh, which you want to be. Um, and then, obviously, you got the dead periods in between. So, um, I guess the guy you could use one on would be Addison Patterson, but I mean, if you got if, if you're signing a kid, uh, I think you owe it to him to have an official visit. So I, I don't I don't think this is a big deal, and don't you want to get him on campus just just to just to have him around the team too? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that when you're first looking at it, and we always keep track of where we're at in the official visit cycle and freaking out of are they going to run out and uh, you know to the fans credit who do to that, you know, they have run out in the past and, and they, they put themselves in a situation where, you, you know, you weren't able to see 
you know, Adam Miller took an official visit to or to Louisville and DJ Stewart took an official visit to Texas. And I think there are some other targets, whether it be those two guys or others from, you know, outside of the natural driving range uh, to, to campus would have been able to take OVs if you didn't use so many. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, essentially, they essentially had until July 5th, which is next Friday, to host official visits. Then you have dead periods and eval periods where the staff's going to be on the road. So, uh, and absolutely, this has kind of been in the works whenever it essentially worked out for Bernard's schedule. Uh, I think ideally they, he was going to be able to enroll earlier since that's not the case. You know, he wants to take an official, get on campus. He's never been to Champaign. So it kind of makes sense uh, for him to be able to come over here and be around the team, uh, watch workouts and, and everything like that. So, to have him on campus will be good for the staff. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's that too, not too big of a deal, the fact that you're using that last official visit. I'm putting you on the spot because they changed the rule here recently. How, how many do you get over a two-year period? Now? It's now 28, I believe. Okay. I'm looking over the official visits, and maybe we don't have a couple in our system, but I'm looking at like the most egregious ones because, I mean, you got to spend one on Kuma. But Anthony Walker, right? Did you yep. really have a chance there? Um, I guess – I, I'd, I'd still bring that guy on campus. Just, <laughs> uh, Olivier Nkuma, right? Um, Jason Jatobo. Yes. Like th- these are some of the ones. I think the worst one was at the class of 2018. Who is the kid that ended up going to UConn? I can't remember. His oh, name. Uh, a lot. Oh. Was it Elias Valtanen or no, uh, no Luke, Luke Kasunas. That's it, Kasunas. Like yep. he also had Flo Thamba come for one too, and he ended up going to Baylor. And they didn't even really want him, right? Like th- those are the ones that bother me. Not not spending it on a guy who's actually signed with you, right? And the the one thing I, I guess you would say, and again, Kuma is someone who signed with you. He's going to play on this team. You kind of owe it to him. But uh, the factor is they roll over in a two year period. So whatever you've used in this past cycle, I, I don't know if it's been. 13, 15 or whatever, that will then factor into how many you can bring in in 2020 and then next spring when you're talking about grad transfers and all that. So, yeah, there have definitely been some in the past where now looking forward, you would have been like, hey, you know, it'd be nice to have one to throw at Andre Curbelo or or someone in in 2020 that can't get here right away. Or heck, I, I would it would be nice for Illinois to have. Adrian Griffin Jr. come for one to, to, you know, get in on campus early. I know he's been here a couple of times already with Allen. But, yeah, that's where where you're not playing from behind. You can have the advantage of using those earlier, and that's kind of the advantage that was instilled by the NCAA to to let you get those guys on campus early. Well, they're using one, and I can't argue with this. They're using an official on Donnie Tillman, the Utah transfer. And uh, this is a good player, Pac-12 sixth man of the year, kind of a do-it-all guy. I talked with Steve Bartle from the Utah site earlier this week, and he said he can be a great defender when he's locked in. Uh, He got much better as a three-point shooter last year. Kind of reminds me, Derek, of everything you kind of want out of Kipper Nichols. Um, yep. And if he has to sit out a year and and then he replaces Kipper as that guy, uh, maybe starts at the three next year for you if he's got two years. Uh, and he's visited Rutgers, but I, I would imagine this one to kind of uh, – he just got in the transfer portal. So I would imagine this one, more schools get involved here. But uh, what, what do you think after watching a little bit of him and, and uh, what do you think of Illinois' chances here? 
I absolutely like him. Uh, like him quite a bit, and I, I think he's a different piece. You know, I, he'd be able to play the three or the four, and when you kind of match him up with what you have in Tevian Jones, who's more of a slender, athletic, you know, can can go to the rim and, and play above the rim, really, and also shoot the three. Alan Griffin, someone that you're expected to be maybe more of a two slash three. Uh, I know you got to work on his hand a little bit, but a sharpshooter kind of, you know, do a little bit of everything. But uh, Donnie can play the three or the four. He, he's physical. He's listed at six, seven, two twenty five. Uh, clearly productive at the high major level already with what he did at the Pac-12. Uh, encouraged by the fact that he shot 42 percent from three in league play. So someone that can space the floor, stretch the floor. Uh, and yeah, he can do a little bit of everything at both ends of the floor. And also uh, he's tough. He's physical. Uh, he's kind of, you know, hyped up to be kind of a junkyard dog, which, you know, that's that's what you need in the Big Ten. You've gone against talking to some people around the program. You've gone against the Lamar Stevenses and Tyler Cooks and a Tyler is a little bit bigger than him. But even a Charles Matthews, where you have these long athletic wings who play that three slash four, where you got to have someone to match up with that. And, and as you mentioned, Kipper Nichols is kind of what you're hoping to, to have work out there. But uh, for the future, I think Donnie Tillman would, you know, by all indications, have to sit out the upcoming year. But if you have him coming back uh, in that front court mix, that would be pretty a pretty talented group, and I, you know that would be something addressing a need absolutely. And as far as chances, I, I think that Rutgers may have more of an opportunity to sell open playing time. Uh, Illinois, uh, I know you brought this up on the radio earlier this week. Yeah, winning. Uh, that's one thing they got to hit on is. Do you want to win in the Big Ten? And that's a conference that he's very familiar with, being from Detroit, and also a chance to be closer to his mom. It'll be interesting to see that situation develop because she has epilepsy. She's had spine problems. Uh, she's had some serious health issues uh, that Donnie wants to be able to be close to her, whether she's going to be back in Detroit or or somewhere closer to him. Uh, one interesting factor, and I'm not saying this is going to – uh, you know, d- decide the decision or anything, but it, it will be a value for, you know, Jamal Walker is an ambassador for athletes versus epilepsy. His son mm-hmm. has epilepsy. So uh, that's someone you know, that that concern or that that challenge in life is something that's close to his family's uh, hearts and, and something that they understand. So I think that that's something also that could play into this and uh, getting a visit, getting a chance to play in the Big Ten and, and, and being someone that they don't have as far as a fit. I think that all you know stacks up as things that made him want to take a visit, and uh, right now he has no other visits scheduled. So we'll see what Illinois can do. Yeah, that's a good point on on Jamal. Like I don't know if that you know is they're going to use that or anything, but it's just right. a place they can connect on, right? Like they they deal with the same issue. Uh, yeah, it would be very interesting if a kid from Detroit, you know, Ann Arbor is just down the road if, if Michigan yep. gets involved there. So that'll be something to watch. All right, the class of 2020, Derek, is a big month for that as they get some visitors and and obviously set themselves up for fall for the official visits. Uh, and one kid they've recruited so dang hard, but he kind of played hard to get about coming to camp. <laughs> like, wouldn't come over and meet the parents. So you're wondering, how how, uh, how good is this relationship going right now? But yep. DJ Stewart out of Whitney Young, I know he's probably one of your favorite prospects in the class of 2020, finally getting the respect, at least in the 24-7 sports rankings, as the number 31 player in the country. Took a big leap there. Um, He's on campus. How big is this for Illinois? Um, And and maybe it's not the first step, but maybe the next step and a necessary step for them in this process. It's really going to determine, I think, coming out of this visit, you'll probably have a good feel of how big of a player Illinois really is. Are they legit? 
Uh, and it's also, yeah, he, he's got a lot of time to talk to Brad Underwood and Chin Coleman throughout this time when they've been recruiting him. They've been recruiting him really hard. They've got a lot of face time with him up in Chicago. But the chance to be on your campus, to see the arena, to get the feel of the campus, to be around the team and to watch Io, who's someone that they've really been selling. You know, they haven't been shy in telling whether it's DJ Stewart or Adam Miller or Namari Burnett. Hey, we expect Io to be gone after next year. We need someone to fill his shoes to come in and make that kind of same first year impact that he may. I know that's that's high expectations to live up to because Io had one of the best freshman seasons in Illinois history. But uh, just as someone that has played at a high level in the UIBL, you know, DJ Stewart averaged. 24 points per game this spring. He shot higher than 40% from three. He's a fantastic offensive player uh, and someone that can can make a big impact. So you look at that 2021 team and roster, even if you, you know, you're going to lose probably Io, you're going to lose Andres Felice. If you have Trent, you have Allen, Tev, Georgie, Kofi, there's a chance to, to not have as big of a drop-off if you get a DJ Stewart to come in and, uh, you know, stay in his home state, stay close to his mom and dad who are, are close with him and, and to, to win. To, to be maybe one of the new faces of, of that next step for, for Illinois basketball. So to have him on campus, I know he's taken an official visit to Texas earlier this month. And really, that's it's really been the only place he's he's been, which is kind of good news for Illinois. It's not like he's visited five, ten other places and, and not the Illini. But, uh, you know, he went to Marquette's team camp earlier, the, earlier this month. He's going to Louisville tomorrow. Uh, Indiana's trying to get a visit as well. But really, it, it's kind of shaping up as Texas, Illinois, and, and Louisville – at the top. And, uh, but I think Illinois does, I think right now people around the Atlanta camp would say, you know, they got to catch Texas right now. Shock is putting in a lot of time and, uh, but we'll see things can change when you, you get a guy on campus and, and really show them what you're about. Uh, we've talked about this before, Derek, but uh, the recruiting process is really getting later. Uh, it's been interesting watching all these kids kind of wait until the spring, especially. Uh, but I looked across the Big Ten. There's only three schools with multiple commitments in the class of 2020, Purdue, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. Uh, then only four other schools, Michigan State, Michigan, Northwestern, hey, and uh, Maryland all have one commit. So Illinois is, you know, half the Half the uh, Big Ten doesn't have a commit right now. Uh, and Brad Underwood said he feels great about, about where they are in 2020. Uh, do you believe him? And should he feel great about where he's at in 2020? Yeah, I think he should feel pretty good about the opportunities that are on his plate right now. Uh, and then again, you, you look back to 2019 class in the fall and you had some really good players coming in for visits. I mean, Drew Timmy was coming in, EJ Liddell. Uh, you know, even after you, you lost out on, well, at this time last year, you still thought you had a really good chance at Cleo Whitney because Kentucky hadn't offered yet. But as far as you know, talented guards are are definitely close and have connections to this state, DJ, Adam Miller, Namari, uh, then you have a very good connection with Andre Curbelo. Uh, I'm not mentioned, I haven't even mentioned Marcus Watson yet, who they're pretty high on. Uh, up at Morgan Park. And then also uh, you were the first high major offer for Ryan Kalkbrenner and he's visited your campus twice already. So uh, I think there are reasons to feel pretty good about, you know, what you can do with this class. I think at the end of the day, you know, as it always is, you got to close and, uh, you know, they would have liked, as you mentioned, uh, getting guys early on board. They Ideally they would have liked to get Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, you know, in June or, or early July before he hits the peach jam circuit again. But, that, that isn't something that a lot of prospects are looking to do. Ohio State had that luxury last year where they got D.J. Carton on early. He was then able to recruit E.J. Liddell. So, you know, if you're able to get Ryan and, and talk to Adam and some of these other guys, which I'm not saying that they're not talking already about, hey, you know, I really like Illinois. What do you think? Uh, that stuff goes on already. But 
uh, yeah, I think that they should feel good. I, I think that coming, especially coming out of this DJ visit, that's another one. If they're starting to feel like, yeah, we, we made a really big impression and now we're uh, in the thick of it for him, then yeah, I think they should feel good. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about closing uh, here when it comes to the fall. Uh, yeah, just a, a few more things we want to hit on before we get out of here and uh, start with the class of 2021. Um, and a real live five-star prospect, according to Derek Piper, is uh, visiting Illinois. Michael Foster, kid out of Milwaukee. I, I watched this highlight type, Derek, and I'm like, whoop, that looks like a lottery pick. <laughs> right? Like He's 6'9", long, uh, makes a huge impact defensively, can shoot the three, can take you off the bounce. Uh, I mean, he just look, And he looks like a man already. It's, that, that's what a five-star prospect absolutely looks like. And you, as you mentioned, it's the first uh, – the highest – rated prospect since uh, Cliff Alexander to, to visit Illinois, which is kind of a big deal. My biggest takeaway from this, Derek, is not that I think they're going to land him, but this is obviously the first step into developing their relationship. It's Macarvin Fire, man. <laughs> he's a, he's a Macarvin Fire kid, and you know the whole THT-IO thing looks pretty good with IO coming back for another year, but I mean, one of the big reasons I, I think you, you side with uh, the IO there is the Macarvin Fire connection that you could uh, get a lot of players from there, or at least have a good chance. And you know, getting this kid on campus shows me that that relationship is pretty strong. It definitely is, and it's a good time to to have it strong right now because Macarvin is having one of the best. Really, they had one of the best springs they've had in a long time. Really, since you're talking about players like Jabari Parker and J- Jaleel Okafor and Cliff Alexander are playing in that program. They had a great spring. They're going to Peach Jam for the first time since 2015, I believe. And yeah, Michael Foster is one of the big reasons why. I know that he's from Milwaukee. He actually plays at the same high school that T. John Lucas mm-hmm. played at. Uh, but he is a, a treat to watch on, on a highlight tape. Uh, you know, 6'9", 6'10", 225. He's big, physical, perimeter skills ferocious dunker and as you mentioned number four overall in the, in the 2021 class but yeah I mean the reputation or, or just the status of that relationship and uh, you know how the Macker and Fire who have a big time presence in Chicago and a lot of connections to top players how they view the Illinois program right now is very very positive with what IO did as a freshman what they expect him to do here as a sophomore and, and then yeah if you're looking at Michael Foster ideally for Illinois he, you know, see a team that goes to the NCAA tournament, Io's a maybe a potential lottery pick, and then maybe two or three of his teammates from this, you know, past AAU season, Adam, Ryan Kalkbrenner, and maybe even Marcus Watson are on, uh, you know, Illinois roster in 2021. So, yeah, it, it all starts. I'm not saying that, you know, getting Michael Foster puts you in the lead. It's way too early for all that, and he's going to have some big-time, big-time suitors. But this is what you want to see early on in classes. It's where you, really where you're trying to find the perfect storm uh, in 2021 of getting in early, building relationships, getting guys on campus. Oh, and by the way, winning and really showing right. kids that you're going in the right direction. So uh, that's what they're trying to accomplish. And, and to have a big time five star on campus is uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. And when uh, you mentioned 2021 about the, the opportunity there, and I know it's so far away and so much has to happen there, but I like how they're setting the foundation here, Derek, it's not just with Max Christie, who seems like he's going to be very tough to get, um, or your boy, uh, Bryce Hopkins, right. Uh, who's really, yep. really good. Uh, but they, they offered three kids from in state that weren't really, I guess on the, 
on our top of our radar here, but Evanston guard Lewis Lesmond, who's, who's gotten a few offers, Oak Park River Forest guard Isaiah Barnes, and and Morgan Park forward Brandon Weston. Um, I like that. I, I like that they're still, you know, I, I think that was the Riverside Brookfield shootout where they saw these guys, and I guess the new. Uh, recruiting rules really probably help these guys get exposure there, but um, I, I like that they're getting aggressive in state. That if they see guys who fit their system, and all these guys seem like long wings who can shoot, uh, that they're being aggressive in state and showing that those guys are still a priority. Absolutely, and it, hopefully we'll, we'll see how these these guys develop. But hopefully, it is an answer. We you know whether it's you talking to to Joe Hendrickson or or, or me myself. Uh, you know, talking about the state just not being maybe what it used to be as far as depth. Uh, this is a, is a good sign. And, and all these players played well at Riverside Brookfield. Brandon Weston actually was at another event with, with Morgan Park up in Chicago. But uh, he had a very good spring playing up a level on 17U with the Mac Urban Fire. Averaged 13 points a game again, as I said, on a team that won a lot of games this spring. Six foot five wing that can really shoot. Uh, Isaiah Barnes was very impressive when I got the chance to see him on Friday night at, at Riverside Brookfield. Uh, plays for Oak Park River Forest, six foot five wing. Again, he's a pretty good shooter. And, and then, yeah, Luis Lesman uh, at Evanston, six foot five. Oh, by the way, this may sound familiar, but he can shoot. Uh, <laughs> and he's originally from France. So uh, I, I absolutely like it a lot, you know, getting in early on in state talent 2021. And, and again, it, it's about changing the way that players around the state and, and close to close to home view the program. And, and that's the opportunity here, not only of, of building a relationship, but if you're able to put IO on display of hey, the, the best player in the state came to us and, and we helped turn him into an NBA lottery pick or an NBA first round pick, whatever it may be. And he got us to the point now where we're set up to go in NCAA tournaments year in, year out, and be a part of this. Uh, that's where you really start to get the ball rolling and, and taking it up another notch. Uh, of being a consistent program and one that's back into that area where fans have wanted to be. Yeah. And I think it's great to get ahead of the curve, maybe ahead of the wave of power five offers for these guys. So I think it's a really good thing. All right. You, you're about to head out to the elite 100 camp. Is that down in St. Louis, Derek? Uh, what, what do you want to forward to seeing? Yeah. You know, first time being down there, I feel like I've been all over the place for, you know, AAU events and gotten to sample a little bit of everything, but I haven't been to Elite 100 quite yet before and, and doing that today. We'll get to see Michael Foster, which of course is going to be uh, fun to watch. Bryce Hopkins will be there. Luke Goody, who, who is the six foot five wing from Fort Wayne, who came on a visit last week. Uh, he's a really, really good shooter and, and someone that, you know, Maryland's offered him and they, they've kind of comped him to Kevin Herter, which, you know, anybody with that comp. A and white think about, shooter compared to Kevin Herter. I think that's the redhead, redhead. Yeah, white redheaded shooter compared to Kevin Herter. What's Indiana so, uh, doing? What's it, what, Indiana, what's what's the slow roll here, man? I don't know. <laughs> you know, they've got a, they've got a couple other in-state. Their state is is pretty stacked as far as talent. But, yeah, if they, you know, pull the, the Colin Castleton route of, of not showing them enough love and not pulling the offer, I think some other Big Ten programs – uh, namely Illinois would would be okay with that so uh, he's one I'm looking forward to seeing haven't got a chance to see him live play, play him see him play live quite yet Kennedy Chandler's a point guard that they've been in on down in Tennessee and then also Brandon Weston who I've already mentioned uh, playing elite 100 so it's really an opportunity to get a look at 2021s and there's gonna be some 2022s uh, getting the early evals and uh, seeing the up-and-comers uh, that you maybe haven't gotten a chance to look at has Bryce Hopkins hit the EJ Liddell like Piper's guy level yet. 
<laughs> oh, he's getting there, man. I, I think I think he is, and I, I got to buy my stock and, and, and plant my flag now because he, he's not nationally ranked right now. I, I think Rivals has him as a three star. Twenty four seven doesn't have him uh, with any stars. Neither one have him in a top one hundred, top one fifty, anything like that. He's going to have a similar rise, in, in my opinion, as an EJ Liddell, as a Taylor Horton Tucker, who maybe weren't viewed right away or were overshadowed by another star in that class. Uh, he's going to be a top 100 player. If he's close to top 50, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day. Uh, he, he's kind of a mix between some different guys in the state. I, I think Taylor, because he's a bigger body, he's, he's a little bit, he's taller. He's six foot seven. Taylor probably six foot five. Uh, and then, but maybe one of the differences is he's not as explosive, which kind of makes me think maybe a little bit of a Malcolm Hill. So mm-hmm. uh, a combo forward who can you know, play on the perimeter. He's got a good looking stroke, good passer. Uh, I just, uh, as far as a multi-year, probably a four-year guy who's gettable, you've been in early. I mean, he's gotten a lot of offers recently from Big Ten programs. Uh, he's really that guy in your wheelhouse you're going to prioritize early and, uh, you know, hopefully have for, for a couple of years in Champaign. Did you shed a tear when you saw your boy Jordan Splash Pool become a Splash Brother? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. I was actually shocked. My, I maybe sh- shed some slobber when I ju- dropped my jaw on the floor. Uh, I did not think that he was going to be a first-round pick, although, of course, uh, I'm not going to argue with it because Pool's my boy, and I, I think he's really good, and I love the fit as NBA far as you want. Shooters, man, like Tyler Hero, White Chocolate 2.0, he's going top. Like Camp yep. Johnson went 11. Like you, you can tell. Like you know, we talk about Kofi Coburn. Uh, people are like, oh, he's going to be a one and done. It's like I don't know. Look at the you know Bruno Fernando is a heck of a college player, and he went 34. Like that, he's still going to get paid millions of dollars. But um, you see guys that go ahead of him. It's just the NBA has changed. All those centers that used to go top 20 or now going 40 or whatever it is. And all these shooters that used to go at the beginning of the second round are all going first round now. Yeah. You gotta be able to make shots and Jordan Poole can absolutely do that. He can put it on the floor and everything. And uh, yeah, as someone who gets a chance to learn from Clay Thompson as, as a two guard, I, I would absolutely, you know, be excited as, as any other destination for, for him as, as far as what he can be. And congrats to splash pool who, uh, I've been in on for a while. So yeah. I, that was a good eval by me. Hopefully, you know, Bryce Hopkins pays off down the road as well. Yeah, John Beeline, I uh, felt like the one player he couldn't, like, get the most out of, right? Like, that's what's so interesting uh, is all those guys. I don't know. A lot of them haven't worked out. You know, LeVert has and Hardaway has. But a lot of those guys in Michigan, uh, I think NBA is skeptical of just John Beeline get the most out of them. What do you make of Beeline with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton? Like, I kind of like the Cavs draft, but it's, it's going to be very interesting how he works those guys together. It's, it's tough for me because individually, I really like Sexton and Garland both. Uh, I was very high on Garland when he played. I saw him a lot with Brad Beal Elite, uh, playing with EJ Liddell. And as far as offensively, those two are going to be a blast to watch uh, because Garland can absolutely shoot the three. Sexton's an athletic freak and drive to the rim and get fouled uh, and score in bunches. I also think Garland's a f- phenomenal passer. My one thing is how do those two guard and defend together because I, you know, they're smaller guards. I get it that you have Lillard and CJ McCollum as maybe the comp. I, I don't know if Sexton's quite, quite has the build of a CJ McCollum, but uh, it'll be interesting. I, I did wonder though, cause some said, well, that's the system that Beeline had. And I don't really remember him playing two point guards at once. Then again, you know, that's your guy Beeline. And, and I, how could you argue against what he did at Michigan as far as his coaching chops? But 
Uh, they're going to have some two really, really talented point guards. I just don't know how they get stops. But then again, it's Cleveland. And you maybe got to do something different to get them out of uh, wherever they're at now. I guess you use Levert and Stauskas kind of as lead guards, right? And those guys yeah. together. and But they didn't play a lot together. And I don't think Burke played a lot with, with all those guys. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he translates uh, to that level. But this wasn't quite an emergency podcast, Derek. Like we got, we got, I can't wait for our first emergency pod. <laughs> breaking news we do it but there's so much going on that uh this is good stuff we covered a lot of good ground here all right man have a have a blast several uh tra- safe travels i should say uh to st louis and got a lot of more content coming up right absolutely we're actually gonna be uh having some news i think about another visitor Ooh. this weekend and uh stay tuned for that but yeah i'll be at elite 100 have some eval notes and uh also looking to catch up with DJ Stewart and Michael Foster, see what they uh, thought of campus. So, yeah, it was fun doing the podcast, man. And uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be good if Hoops is staying relevant and happening here in the, in the next couple of weeks. Content's fantastic. Uh, Derek Pfeiffer, thank you, buddy. Absolutely, man. All right, that's the Illini Choir podcast. Uh, subscribe to the site. You get all that great content from Derek coming up and all the latest insight. I'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Choir podcast.